Welcome back, everybody, to the Horoscope Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Chambliss, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Russell Howell. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Uh, yeah, we've been on hiatus for a little bit. Summer does that to you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully try to get back to your re- regular scheduled programming here, so hopefully we crack this out every week. But uh, yeah, yeah. Looking, for- looking forward to today's movie. Um, it's one of my all-time favorites right there with Halloween, so yeah, looking forward to talking about this. Oh, yes, and the movie that he's referring to is A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, uh, of course, directed by the great Wes Craven. Um, so, yeah, if you guys know, don't know how this podcast works, we just break down every horror movie from start to finish. We talk about it, talk about what happened in the movie, do a little background work, and then just talk about our favorite moments, favorite lines, things like that in this podcast. So Russ, uh, kick off with some of your favorite, like, or your overall thoughts on this movie. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that still holds up to me. Um, I compare this again with, uh, you know, the 1978 Halloween, just because of the fact, the way that Carpenter and Craven, like put these movies together, they still hold up. Uh, obviously, it was a lot different with Carpenter. Carpenter relied heavily on the music and less of the violence and stuff like that, whereas Craven kind of dipped more into, yes, the score was like kind of uh, creepy and unsettling, but we get a l- little bit more of the violence. We see a lot more than what um, we saw in Halloween. And I think that's why this slasher genre really picked up because of this film, because of the fact that we were able to see a lot more than what we had seen in the past. If you compare the two, Halloween, you could, I mean, yeah, you see stabs and you see kills and stuff like that, but you don't see them in depth and in gruesome as you do in this film. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. My overall thoughts on this movie is it's the continuing evolution of the slasher genre. Because you, you kicked off with Halloween, then it went into uh, Friday the 13th, and now this is a new evolution Taking the slasher, mixing it with kind of supernatural, like, elements really made it feel unique and different than those two movies. And that's what I really love about it is how different it really was. Well, that and just the fact that this is now a killer who gets you in your sleep. So nothing is safe because, as you all know, obviously we all have to sleep. But how can you push the human body beyond its limits of being exhausted to try to stay awake? Because if you don't, Freddie, you, you are you are bait for Freddie. And, you know, it's 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 it adds a different whole different genre or different uh, spin on the slasher genre, like how you were saying. And um, and like I said, with the with the element of not being able to sleep. Because sleep, sleep now, like, you know, sleep, you think, it, you know, you're always at peace when you sleep and stuff like that. Now we see it as sleep is something that you can't do because if you do, you're you fall prey to Freddy. And it's it, it, like sleep doesn't become a calming thing. It's like it, it makes you more. Now you're on edge because if you fall asleep, you may you may not wake up again. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the genius like plot point about this movie is that. He's pretty much killing you two ways. If you fall asleep, he kills you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. But if you stay awake long enough, of course your body's going to give out on you. You're going to feel exhausted, and then you know you're going to die eventually because you're not going to sleep. Yeah. So that's kind of like a f you two ways. Yeah, I mean, 
and that's and that's the beauty of why this movie works. Obviously, later on down the road, and then it's problems what they do with like all the the movies that have sequels. Yeah, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. When you start introducing different aspects or like change, you know, you change the like um, you change the killer. You change him to where he can get you in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, with Halloween, like now, so you can't just kill him like that. Uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Now he becomes like he's resurrected from the dead now, and and like he then he can go to space and like see they they do stretch the limits to what's believable uh, throughout the franchise, and I think Freddy's no exception to the rule. They they did in Halloween, they did in Friday the Thirteenth, but we look we're looking at just the original film. I still think this film holds up. Um, it's a great film, and it's one that's always on my um on my playlist every Halloween time. Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's kick off from the very beginning of the movie. The movie kicks off, and we are in, um, I believe, Tina Gray's dream. We see her running down the hallway, and then we get our first look at the man himself, Freddy Krueger. Um, it is Tina, correct? Um, yeah, it is Tina. Um, just a backstory real quick. Um, the beginning of the film, though, does start with Freddy Krueger constructing his, uh, his, his claw. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. Really just sets that eerie vibe. We're kind of down in this boiler room area where we obviously find out this is where Freddy Krueger pretty much, uh, you know, lives out of. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's, it just really sets the table. It's really creepy. Um, it's, it's raining in there and it's just, it's super creepy and uneasy. And I really think Craven really sets the mood in this, in that opening scene to lead into Tina's dream. So yeah, I just I just want to talk real quick about that. Just him making the claw. I thought that was I, I I love that scene. It's really cool, and you don't get to see his face. All you do is see his hands at work mm -hmm. trying to make this uh, claw. And as he makes the claw, then yeah, yeah. So when Tina wakes up, um, she realizes that her her mom points out that she has four mysterious slashes on her nightgown. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, telling that that kind of um, plot point in this movie where people can take either, whether it's, you know, cut a burn or a piece of Freddy out from the dream world, which again, we see later on in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is something obviously will come back uh, later on in the film. You, you being able to take what you dreamt and bring it into reality. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. something that we, we obviously see uh, rearing its head throughout the film. Yep. So the next morning, uh, Tina meets up with her friend Nancy and Nancy's boyfriend Glenn, played by Johnny Depp, which I believe this was his first major movie role, correct? It is correct. Uh, it says at the beginning of the credits, introducing Johnny Depp. Yeah. So Johnny Depp had never, obviously, obviously, I think he was already at, uh, was this before 21 Jump Street? No, 21 Jump, 21 Jump Street was before. Uh, wait, 21 Jump Street was before, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is his first movie role. Um, very well, very you know, unknown actor. We didn't know really, obviously, the career that he had that spawned thirty five years later. But um, oh wow, it's really been that long, hasn't it? Yeah, thirty five years from uh, came out the year after I was born. Yeah, this is nineteen eighty four is always a funny year because uh, Ghostbusters is my like all time favorite, but like Nightmare on Elm Street is like my all time favorite horror movie. So it's kind of hard to choose between the yeah. two. They're both such great movies. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is Johnny Depp's first role. Um, and we, and, and what's like, uh, Heather Langenkamp is tremendous as Nancy. Nancy. 
who will later kind of have the same tropes that uh, Casey Becker, or uh, no, not Casey Becker, uh, oh my God, Sydney Prescott will end up later having yeah. the same type of traits in Scream. Again, another Craven made movie. So obviously, there's a lot of uh, comparisons between Nancy and um, Sydney's characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, this is just a, it's, it's, it, they started back, you know, at school. They're pretty much talking about, you know, she's talking about, uh, well, I believe what Tina's talking about, the dream that she had had. Yep. And Nancy has pretty much said the same thing, that she has dreamt uh, of the same of the same man or same same type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So they go to school, and then that night, uh, Nancy and Glenn stay over at Tina's house. Um, and then, of course, here comes Tina's boyfriend, Rod, um, yep. played by, let me see if I can find his name real quick. Uh, Nick Corey. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, of course, we have the scene where uh, they go up to have sex. And then, of course, what happens when you have sex in a horror movie, Russ? Yeah, you uh, you meet your demise. Um, <laughs> so this is the first time where we see Freddy Krueger pretty much uh, – strike yeah um so they are done having sex at this point um again another trope that you see again with um with uh uh glenn and um nancy uh they again are the pretty much like it reminds me again pretty much of scream sydney yeah. and billy um just the fact that they don't really do the things that they you know other couples are doing mm-hmm. um because she wants to be there for tina you know, that's why that's her excuse. She just kind of wants to be there for Tina to lend support yep. because Tina, because Tina has been having these dreams. She's scared. She wants to have her friends over to kind of like, you know, pretty much like, you know, just for that comfort blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have sex. And this is where during sex after, you know, after uh, there is a scene where Freddy Krueger is pretty much attacking uh, Nan- or, uh, Tina in her sleep. This is uh, such a good scene just because of the visuals that are in there as well. It is, and and the uh, the thing, the unnerving thing about it is, we know that Rod is innocent. He hasn't done anything, mm-hmm. and we see that Tina is fighting and wrestling with this, with this, you know, this monster. And you know, uh, Rod, you know, pulls the cover off, and here she is, like stammering her legs and like and like fighting and struggling, but there's nobody there, and yep. he is pretty much just kind of in disbelief. And this is where we see the scene that Craven like really puts. This is like the really the, the uh, the really the creepy scene where he, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie slashes her stomach, and you see blood coming out. And then like she is taken up to the ceiling where she is kind of like dragged around, and like I mean it, it's commotion, it's it's craziness. Like there's lamps being flung. Um, Rod is 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 uh, hit in the mouth or hit in the face by. Uh, a lamp a, a lamp yeah so we start to see a lot of things you know going on at this point mm-hmm. and then we see tina's body smearing all over the ceiling and then just crashing down to the bed and blood splattering everywhere but now we see that nancy and glenn have woke up and uh everyone like thinks that you know rod is the one that has done this and he has not because we have already seen yeah. it. We've seen it first. We were in the room with Rod. We have seen mm-hmm. that he has never, you know, he never laid a hand on her. He didn't kill her. And, you know, this is where, you know, we, we start to really see what this monster really can do when you fall asleep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very interesting that 
that you brought up that everybody really blames it on Rod, except uh -huh. for Nancy. Yeah. She's the only one who constantly wants to believe that he would never do that. Um, well, yeah. well, they use a lot of things because, oh, well, they were having problems or they fought. Yeah. I mean, you get that in every relationship. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have fights. Yeah. Um, but Nancy really wants to believe that Rod isn't capable of doing something horrific like that. And obviously, Nancy's dad, uh, played by um, who the hell, John Paxton. Yep, John uh, Paxton. John oh. Paxton. Uh, John Saxton. John Saxton. My bad. I'm thinking of the Not basketball. Paxton. <laughs> John Paxton was a basketball player. My bad. I, kn I knew it was it was similar to that, but his uh, her dad played by John Saxton. My bad. Um, excellent in this film as well. Um, oh, just, yeah. just the hard headed um, cop. Um, detective or whatever he is, mm -hmm. um, just just a hard headed cop that he is, really wants to uh, bring um, Rod's character to justice. Yeah, and of course you have like Nancy wanting to keep believing that you know Rod wouldn't do this, yeah. but really she doesn't have a reason to believe him. Yeah. All right, so. Um, where are we? Yeah, after this, Rod's arrested by Nancy's father, Don Thomas. Um, and then we go into the uh, the school scene, right? Um, yes, this is another great scene, another creepy scene. And a uh, little fun fact, I think it's something that you'll appreciate too. The uh, teacher is the lady from Insidious. Oh, really? Yep, the, the main lady from Insidious, the... Uh, you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about, yeah. uh, what is her name? Her name is Lynn Shea. She plays Elise Rayner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is the uh, school teacher in that scene when she is teaching um, uh, Nancy's class. When she has that daydream that she sees Tina's body in a body bag. Body bag. bag. Yeah. yeah. Which this scene here always was creepy. Uh, so so unsettling, so unnerving. Again, again, kind of reminds me of the scene that they used in 1978 Halloween, where we are in school again in a classroom setting. Yeah. Again, where we see Jamie Lee Curtis staring out the window to who? Surprise, surprise, Michael Myers, oh, Myers. standing out there. Um, we kind of use it in a different fashion in this sense, but we're still in a school setting again. Um, very eerie feeling. We see, you know, Nancy just kind of like daydreaming and she looks over and sees, you know, uh, Tina's body being drugged through, uh, you know, with a body bag, a clear body bag. Uh, very, very uh, creepy, but a great setup, I think, that what mm -hmm. Wes Craven does in this film. Yeah. And then, of course, you have uh, like a funny line where she's like, screw your hall, screw your hall pass. Yeah. And th I love that scene, too, because the 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 girl's wearing a Freddy Krueger sweater, I believe, in that, in that yeah. scene, isn't she? Yeah. Um, the, the red and green or whatever. The red and green striped uh, sweater. Oh, yeah. And I believe when she has said something, I believe you hear Freddie's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, like the effects of this movie still hold up today. And that's what's really impressed me. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the great thing. When a movie at 35 years uh, past its uh, release, they can still watch. You can still watch it, still enjoy it, still be scared. Um, you get all the feels and like I, you know, I had the pleasure of seeing this movie, uh, in different atmospheres. I've seen it. Uh, I saw it, the re-release, um, 
what was it, the beginning of this year or sometime? I saw it for the 35th anniversary this year. It was early this year, I think. I think it was like in maybe January or February-ish. But that's really cool. Yeah, I saw that in a theater. And I was also privileged to go see this film uh, Halloween time uh, at the drive-in theater. We um, we have a drive-in theater right by our house, like 20, 25 minutes away. Nice. And they show um, scary movies during the month of October, which is tremendous. And obviously, being a horror fan, that's that's just great. Yeah. Um, they were showing Halloween 1978 back to back with Nightmare on Elm Street. So those are like my two all-time <laughs> favorite horror double movies. feature. Yeah. Yep, my double feature, my two all-time favorite horror movies were back to back. I was like, "Well, this is uh, this is pretty great." So yeah, uh, definitely seeing it in these different types of atmosphere, especially the theater um, and, and outside in the dark on a fall night, um, just mm-hmm. really adds that element of you know uh, scariness to it. And I think that's again that just says a lot about the the you know the um, watchability or the the way that it holds up thirty five years later. Yeah, and uh, I think we actually missed a part um, when she, when Nancy's like daydream or whatever, and she's being chased in the boiler room by Freddy Krueger. Yeah, she gets burned on the pipe, and then she wakes up, and she again starts sees screaming. The at the class, yes. So again, bringing the the pain or the scars or whatever out of your dreams. Yes, and and this is where I think she starts putting together. Okay, well, wait. So I did this in a dream and I, it was, it was so real that I literally have this, you know, burn on me. And I think she Mm kind of starts to put together that this is something that she's going to have to, you know, retain or call back on um, later on down the road here throughout the film. But yeah, she, um, yeah, that's where she is. She is asleep when she uh, follows uh, Tina's body, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, That would make sense. Yeah. So then that's when obviously, she wakes up. She freaks yeah. out. Yep, and that's again. That's the t- the teacher is the the main Lin Shay, the main uh, the main lady from the Insidious film. So yeah, I that's thought you, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. That's amazing. Yep. Um. So then, right after this, I believe we go into the bath scene, which is iconic. Correct. Uh, yeah. Just real quick, I, I just really want to touch upon the one the one scene that I really <sighs> really love was right at, at Tina's death is where we see the uh, Freddy Krueger scene where his arms are growing super, super long. Oh, yeah. uh, And they're scratching up against the side of the walls. Um, That scene there was actually filmed in uh, Los Angeles. I believe it was somewhere in California it was filmed. Um, So I thought it was kind of funny that this movie was filmed in such a big city. Uh, Yeah. Because it gets that small town vibe to it. But this movie was filmed in California somewhere. Not 100% sure where. I think near the L.A. area. Um, There's somebody on YouTube that literally, um, actually, you follow him along. And he goes through all the different locations from the film. And um, which I thought was cool because that's something I I would probably do because I'm a nerd. Um, (laughs) But he goes to these different places and he shows you what what it looks like now. This Mm -hmm. is where the iconic scene was filmed, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, uh, the movie was filmed in California. At least that scene. At least that scene was, uh, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, most of that stuff was filmed in California. Wasn't seventy uh, yeah. uh, eight Halloween? Wasn't uh, that? Was that? I think that was out like right outside of Chicago. What were you talking about? Halloween? Yeah. No, Halloween. Uh, Halloween was filmed in. Let me see. I'm, Halloween was filmed in, in uh, L.A. as well, Pasadena oh, area. Yeah. Oh. 
But see, you got to see. You think outside of Chicago, you're thinking, you're thinking of Haddonfield, how did Haddonfield, Illinois, and you're thinking it was filmed, but it was filmed uh, uh, in California. And the funny thing about it is, it's supposed to be set in the fall. Those leaves in the beginning of Halloween, uh, where they're walking down, you know, walking down, you can see the leaves blowing. Those were actually collected and brought by the uh, people that were working on the film. They yeah. didn't have any. They didn't have any leaves in California. This was like, you know, it was it was it wasn't. Um, you fall know, it, was, it was it wasn't fall time like you would assume like my area my neck of the woods and i don't know yeah. how is it in arkansas is it the same like you guys get the same type of kind of yeah yeah well I, but not not to the extent that we do i think we get we get the whole entire kaleidoscope of different you know weather <laughs> uh, um from snow we literally get we can get all four seasons in a week um yeah. but um no they were filming they were filming halloween and they actually had to bring their they had to collect leaves to um to bring to bring throughout and if you would notice in like different scenes like if you look into the background you can see these lawns don't have any leaves on them yeah um, and it's because of the fact that they had to just they just were trying to do it for the immediate area to give you mm -hmm. that look that it was fall and also in some of the scenes in halloween you can also see like palm trees uh, yeah. You, so yeah you know you know it's not illinois um but to bring it home to connect it here this is also filmed in california as well um it just, I think it's kind of crazy that you assume because these movies feel like Midwest movies, yeah. They don't, they don't feel like films that were filmed on the West Coast, like at mm -hmm. all. But, um, yeah, this one was filmed, yeah. A lot of this was in Hollywood area, LA area, like I had said, pretty much damn near all filmed in LA, so yeah, which I think is crazy because when you watch this film, you that's the last thing you're thinking of, you know, yeah, definitely. It's like, like somehow they made you feel like it was this small town, Midwest town. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very, like very closed in area, not like a big city. Yeah. And that's, I think, again, that's just the beauty of how it was shot. Uh, mm -hmm. The scenes that were used. Um, Got to keep in mind, a lot of this movie d does take place at nighttime, obviously. Um, yeah. The scenes. So, I mean, it's darker out. So you're getting that more eerie vibe. But the scenes that are in the daytime, really, you're only getting scenes like walking to school or, uh, yeah. you know, um, when Rod's running from the uh, the police. Like, there's only a certain amount of scenes that are filmed in the daytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to, um, I believe next is the bath scene, correct? Yeah, the bathtub scene. No, this is like, a, per, like one of the most iconic scenes in the film. Yep. Freddie's glove comes up from the... The water as she like falls asleep in the the water. E even though her mom told her not to do that, the next thing she does is like start to fall asleep in the tub. Yep. And then she she feels something pull her down. We know obviously it, it's Freddie's hand glove whatever. And then her mom is like banging on the door to get her to answer. She finally comes up. She wakes up. And that's pretty much where we cut this scene right here. Yeah, she um, and then Nancy's mom. We uh, know that she she is pretty much an alcoholic throughout the whole entire film. She's yeah. Drinking. Um, not throwing judgment on her character, but we just really see that she just is different mindset of things. Mm -hmm. Um, is really kind of out of touch with what's going on with her daughter. Um, another scene that we we glazed over, which um. 
another iconic scene that I thought we glazed over was the one where uh, there's just so much that happens in these films. It's so hard to yeah. put, put all together. Um, but the scene right before, uh, what is it? Nancy's sleeping where we see Freddie coming through the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're seeing his imprint uh, of his, of his face and his hands coming through. Like he's going to, like he's going to grab Nancy. Um, yeah. And then and then Nancy wakes up and, like as she's waking up like we see it disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was right after. Wasn't that right after? Um, Tina, when the hell was that in the mil- in the movie? I believe that was right after Tina died. I believe. Or was that going? Yeah, because. Yeah, because Glenn. Wait a minute, but Glenn wasn't staying the night. No, that was that was the night that they. Uh, Tina was or uh, Nancy was sleeping by herself because remember Glenn couldn't stay. I, I don't think yeah. Glenn stayed, or did Glenn stay? Glenn did stay because he was playing the mixtape. Uh, yeah, the airport, yeah. The airport stuff. So he was staying. Raw. Oh, so they all stayed, I guess. But Nancy's, yeah. in, Nancy's in bed. I forget. But that's just. A, I just want to talk about that. That scene was so iconic as well. So. Oh yeah, there's a lot of like iconic scenes and like sequences that we're definitely going to miss a few of them but (laughs) and then um i'm kind of just doing bullet points here um and then i believe this after the bathtub scene nancy uh, this is where nancy goes to rod at the police station correct uh and they're talking about um, like him, yeah. Seeing her body float and yeah, because after she burns herself, um, yeah, she's she falls asleep. Yeah, then they go to the police station. Uh, Nancy goes to the police station to see Rod uh, to see Rod because she um still thinks that uh, you know he had nothing to do with uh, Tina's uh, death. Yeah, and she really thinks that uh, Freddy Krueger is uh is the uh, culprit here. The, he is the one that killed Tina. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think at this point she was kind of skeptical because you could hear her in this scene kind of like judging him like, how can you see something but not see anything? And, yeah. you know, things and like this, that. And this is where, yeah, where we see Nancy talking to Rod at the police station because um, she wants to know what happened. She wants to know, like, did, like mm-hmm. and this is where he puts it together. He basically is saying something. It was like somebody was claw- like clawed her. And this is where he's putting it together. She's putting it together. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, claw. So this man had knives on his you know, hand for fingers. This guy could have been the guy that was, you know, that I saw in the boiler room. So now yeah. I think this is where she starts putting together that Freddy Krueger is, I think, responsible for Tina's death. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, she was questioning him. Um, but then, of course, as you said, she starts to believe that maybe the same guy that she saw in her dreams, were, as we know, is Freddy Krueger, was the same one that killed Tina. Yeah. And then after that, Nancy invites Glenn over. And this is a really cool scene because they're like, she needs Glenn to wake her up. So she can bring Freddie back into the real world. Yeah, which I, I yeah, which I think is really cool. So I, I really like this scene as well. Yeah, and, and I also love how this doesn't make 
Nancy look like just a dumb high school teenager. Like she, you know, came up with the plan to, you know, try to get Freddy Krueger to come out. She's really thinking about this stuff and not making dumb decisions like we've seen in previous like slasher films. Yeah. Um, and of course, Glenn falls asleep. Like he had one job, Glenn. Yeah, one job. Uh, this is where, yeah, Nancy is watching and pretty much seeing Freddy Krueger getting ready to kill Rod um, in his cell. Yep. Um, and then that's where she tries, she sees it. You can see it being wrapped. Uh, you can see him coming. Yeah, you can see him like pretty much coming through the bars and getting ready to kill uh, Rod. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's kind of where, um, what, what does she do? She runs away. Uh, when her, the alarm does go off, yeah, but um, then we see that uh, Freddie ends up killing Rod. And this scene here is always like I, I think like iconic enough for me to remember too is the fact that like the bet the sheets or whatever are kind of like pretty much forming a noose and kind of like, yeah, Rod's pretty much meeting like uh, his demise here by getting you know hung, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where I think what that's where they they rush down to the police office to try to get her dad to open up and check on the check on Rod in the Well, cell. that that's after um uh Glenn wake or fails to wake up Nancy. Yeah, that's where they rush down to the um yeah, the, the police station. Uh-huh. And she's just trying to get her father to open the door. And of course, when he finally agrees that you can't find the keys. Mm-hmm. And then as they finally get into the room where the cells are, they find um, Rod, you know, hung with his, uh, his sheets. Yep. And as they bring him down, they check the pulse, of course, and yep, he is dead. And this um, is... And yeah, and this is where, you know, uh, Nancy's kind of mad at Glenn because Glenn, you know, failed to wake her up in time and she feels like maybe yeah. she could have prevented his death if she woke him up a little bit sooner. Yep. And then right after this scene, it cuts right to Rod's funeral, which is a really cool, like, sequence because they don't really tell you for a second if he's alive, <laughs> if he made it, or if he's dead. Yeah. And then that split second where they cut to the funeral and you start to piece it together. Yeah. And then that's where all like Nancy, her parents, everything, everybody like that's there. And then Nancy's mom takes her to uh, is it a clinic like a sleep disorder clinic? Yeah, it's a sleeping clinic, and that's pretty much she is just taking her there because of the fact that you know Nancy's obviously not been able to sleep well. Yeah. obviously given the situation and the things that have I'm happened, coffee you know, and awake pills. Yeah, and, and like caffeine, constantly drinking coffee, trying to stay awake, popping caffeine pills. Anything she could do to stay awake. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, now she has had to endure the loss of her friend Tina and now Rod. So now yeah. her mom is super concerned. So it takes her to a sleep clinic uh, study to try to figure out what the hell is is you know you know keeping her awake. Why won't mm-hmm. she sleep like a normal person? And this is where we see that uh, she is uh, starting to dream while she is at the sleep study. 
we start to see the needles being like the needles from the uh, the study on the paper yeah. kind of like shaking a little bit because she is really like wrestling through her dream. Something's going on. She's having a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And we see that this is where Nancy grabs Freddy's fedora. Yeah. Yes. And pulls it from the dream to reality. So now we see, okay, this is something tangible. I can bring something tangible back from a dream into reality. And again, this is a, another callback to what's going to happen later on or what her plans are later on. Yeah. We've already seen that she can burn herself and she'll wake up with that burn on her. Tina already woke up, you know, in the beginning of the film with a uh, slash on her, on her, her uh, nightgown. on her nightgown. So now we see that what happens in a dream we can bring into reality. Mm-hmm. Now this is, this is just something, ta- this is the first tangible thing that's, that is brought back um, to reality. Yeah. And back at the, funeral scene you'd see a look between um the mom and dad of nancy mm-hmm. when he says like he wears his hat and he wears this christmas type sweater mm-hmm. and knives for hands and you can see that they they know what's going on they know who it is they just don't want to say anything yeah because of the fact that these you know when they were kids they had to endure this and um you know they kind of think that you know, not talking about it is going to be better if we don't mention it. Maybe it'll go away. But obviously now, you know, it has passed on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well, we, we we probably should bring this up at some time and talk about it. And that's later on, I think, when Nancy, uh, <laughs> Nancy's mom uh, takes her downstairs and talks to her about. Freddy that's Kinder. the next scene, actually, that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So Mars. Um, I- Again, you know, constantly throughout the movie has been drinking heavily, smoking a lot because, you know, she's stressed. She knows what it's about. Now it's time to tell Nancy the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's when she takes him down. Is it the furnace room? Yeah, it's the furnace room or area. boiler room area. I mean, it's more of, it's more, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a more, basement. It's a basement area. Yeah. Yeah. It has a, a like a wood burning furnace down there and um and then she comes out with it says that freddy krueger was or yeah krueger was an insane child murderer who was released on a technicality and for revenge the parents burned down his house hence why he has a burnt face uh everything like that so it comes out now nancy realizes that you know, holy shit, this is almost like a vengeful ghost that now because of our parents killing him are coming after us. Yeah, they're pretty much retali- he is pretty much retaliating against the next generation for the yep. sins of the parents, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. And then of like this is my favorite scene right here. Um, we go into Nancy trying to call Glenn. You know, telling him to stay awake, don't fall asleep. You know, he's watching TV in his bed. Uh, he's got headphones on, so of course he can't hear the phone ring. And then this is probably my favorite death scene of the entire movie. Yeah, it's he starts just being sunk into the bed, and the TV's falling, everything's falling in the bed. He's thinking, and then all you see is this giant like flood of blood come up from the the hole in the bed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, that was one of my favorite death scenes in this whole movie. Just because it. Also, I watched a documentary about how they made these movies. Okay. And they said, and fun fact, they had to literally turn the set completely around to get the blood to drop downwards and made it to where the camera looked like it was like straight up. Like, okay. but really the whole thing was on a contraption that turned upside down. So the blood would come straight down instead of just, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I got you. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, I believe right after this, uh, where are we? Um, after Glenn has been killed, so um, let's yeah. see. This is where, um, so yeah, this is where her dad, um, Nancy's dad, is pretty much uh, across the street dealing with all that that yep. has happened to Glenn, and she, you know, tells her dad, "Listen, I need you to come back to the house in 20 minutes. I'm going to mm-hmm. pull Freddy Krueger from the dream." And bring him into reality. I need you to be there to get him when I do this. Yep. And this is this reminds me of this almost has like shades of Home Alone. Um, yeah, it does. With with the rigging of the house and stuff like that, I almost mm-hmm. get like a. And, and it's funny because obviously Home Alone wouldn't have come out till six years after in '90, but yeah, I just think it's funny how it's it, it gets you that shade of like Home Alone. So she's rigging the different things up to try to you know yeah. Uh, defeat Freddy or to get Freddy at the end. I just thought it was kind of funny. Yep, so she sets the booby traps around the house. Um, she falls asleep and she's able to grab Freddy Krueger out of the dream just when is it the the alarm clock goes off, correct? To wake her up? Or is it her father that breaks in the door? Um, He doesn't come right away, remember? I thought he didn't come right away. No, no. He sends up an officer next he door. He sends an officer to go over there. Which, really? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's your really? It's right across the street. Yeah. Not your daughter. Yeah, it's right across the street, man. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really, just really random. Oh, man. So, yeah, she wakes up. She's able to bring Freddy into the real world. And the trap, yeah, I guess it affects Kruger just enough for her to for Nancy to light him on fire with a Molotov cocktail she created. Mm-hmm. And that's when she locks him in the basement, correct? That's where she locks him in the basement. Yep. Yeah. Um, and this is where the basement obviously is, is getting under fire. We start to see the smoke and everything. So the police obviously come over to find yep. that um, Kruger is not there. He's gone. He escaped. Yep. And I think this part here is always really sticks in my head too where they go upstairs they find a uh, Freddy Krueger smoldering and smothering uh, Nancy's mom in yeah head. and it, it's crazy because then after they put out the fire it's like the mom and Freddy Krueger are like gone they've, they've disappeared yep so then Don leaves the room Krueger rises from the bed behind Nancy and again Nancy being so smart realizes that Krueger is, is powered by fear yeah, yeah, and and this is where we start to see the characters again. Compared to, I really kind of like really see lots of shades of Sydney Prescott here. Yeah, um, just because of the fact that she is not going to give in 
she is going to be a strong independent female. Um, she's mm-hmm. going to be somebody who, you know, will not easily be pushed around, will not easily be swayed or scared. Um, and I think that's when Freddie can't use fear if you don't fear him. Yep. And then uh, Nancy turns her back calmly and says that I'm not afraid of you pretty much. Mm-hmm. And when Kruger tries to attempt to attack her, he just vanishes. He evaporates. Mm-hmm. He found someone who wasn't scared of him anymore. Yeah, and obviously we, this is this this last scene here sets us up for uh, a, a sequel. Obviously, yeah. But like, I also love how the the moral of the story is overcoming fear is a good thing. And if you can overcome your fear of whatever it is, then it makes you a stronger person at the end of the day. Yeah. And then like Craven's themes of his films are, it's always about the sins of the parents yeah. being passed on to the next generation. We see that in scream. We see that in my soul to take. We see that here in nightmare on Elm street. A mm-hmm. lot of Craven's movies deal with like the sins of the parents being trickled down and being have to be endured or the repercussions have to be yeah. uh, done by the, the next generation. So yeah. I, again, that's, that's another little trope that we see from, uh, from Craven. But uh, this scene here is probably the reason why I like this last scene is because of the fact it's the brightest scene in the whole entire film. Um, this movie is really gloomy and dark, but mm-hmm. we get this, we get this new sense of like, life or rebirth everything's yeah. very vibrant very bright the sun's shining it's foggy morning it's beautiful, morning. It's oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. yep which do they ever say if her, her mom was alive i don't i don't know because okay so we basically see so glenn all of a sudden now we see pulls up to um to the house to nancy's house to pick them up from school uh, and then uh, this is when like the convertible top comes down and kind of locks them in. Mm-hmm. They can't get out. Meanwhile, we see uh, the mom uh, waving goodbye to them. But we also see that the three girls that the one, two Freddy's coming for you girls are playing yeah. jump rope and you can hear the chanting of the nursery rhyme. Mm-hmm. And as the car is driving off, we see the mom wave goodbye, but then Freddie pulls her through the window and the movie ends. Yeah. So um, I don't yeah. know if they ever said if her mom was alive or not. I'm gonna guess not. I'm guessing the mom died. I guess that last sequence would be a dream then. Maybe it would have to be because of the fact that Glenn's dead. Glenn's there, Tina's Glenn's there, Tina's there. I think Rod, Rod, and then and and the mom. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thinking what happened. Nancy pulled him in, and then Nancy ended up maybe going falling asleep after all this, this stuff happened or whatever. Yeah. Um, because that's the only thing that I can possibly think of because I can't see that being reality. Uh, you know what I mean? Because everybody yeah. died. We, we saw it. I mean, it, it happened. You know what I mean? And it obviously, yeah. it wasn't a dream. We saw it. So I don't, I don't know. That's, that could be open for interpretation. But we know that Heather Langenkamp's character does return later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know she's alive, but the character, the other characters you never see again. So obviously, this last sequence in the film, I think, is a dream. Yeah, I do too. Because it, it, like, it also has like a dream, a dreamy like look to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, just everything about it. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to say? 
Yeah, because that leaves it open for a sequel because we know that Freddy's obviously not dead or gone forever. Yeah, I, I they have like I, I'm just looking up right now. Um, this is I just kind of wanted to. Well, let's see here. There are a couple, um, a couple of uh, theories, I guess. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, the the two popular theories was the one um, says that and again I just looked up on Google uh, Nightmare on Elm Street ending scene pretty much to see what the heck ha- like what like what yeah. other people were thinking of it um, the two popular theories one says it wasn't Wes Craven's intended ending um, pretty much um, I can read this really fast um, Craven obviously who invented the movie's plot and wrote the screenplay originally intended for a nightmare on Elm Street to have a happy ending. This ending is identical to the current one with the exception that Nancy and her friends aren't trapped in the car and that Marge is not pulled through the window by Freddy. Yeah. Uh, apparently. So that's basically that that scene. That would have been worse though cuz then like because you already know they're dead though so that doesn't yeah. make much sense. Um, and then the other other theory was Nancy never took Freddy into the real world, and it was still part of the dream. The theory is that most popular one and is accepted by the majority of the viewers, it goes like this. When Nancy sets her alarm clock, says her prayer, closes her eyes, that's the last time we see her awake. From there, the whole remaining film completely plays in the dream world. When Nancy grabs Freddy and her alarm clock rings, she only dreams that she wakes up. And pulls Freddy into the real world. In this case, the ending is not confusing anymore. Freddy can use his supernatural powers, and Nancy walks through the door into a completely different scenery simply because that's all still part of the same dream. And after she went to bed that time, she didn't leave the dream world anymore. Um, that's just, and that's exactly kind of just what I had said. What we were talking about. Uh, the theory is, it's, it's. We we know that it's a dream. Yeah. Um, you, we can tell it's 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 very. I think it's very, you know, believable that it's a dream. We see four yeah. out of the five characters that have gotten killed in this film mm-hmm. all together. We know it has to be a dream. And I think this is obviously Nancy dreaming this. Um, see, the only problem I have with that theory is if it is just all a dream from the time she goes to bed to the end of the movie. Yeah. Why doesn't Kruger just kill her? See, like, that, yeah, and like the other thing, the other hole that I find in that one is, okay, so we're to believe that, um, but how did how did Freddy's how did Freddy end up killing uh, the mom? So you know what I mean? There's like not a trace yeah. of anything left. Yeah, like, like even when he was burning and he like smothered her on top of the thing, like we see something really fast, but then it's like gone. We mm-hmm. see nothing on the bed. We don't see a mess. We don't see anything. Yeah, so, that is kind yeah. of weird. So I, I'm just led to believe that at the end of the scene, kind of the just to kind of play, you know, both sides of this here. I'm thinking that okay, when Nancy fell asleep, told her dad to come back in 20 minutes, the alarm rings. I think that she did pull him in. She pulled him out. Yeah. She pulled him out into reality. And I think what happened is you obviously can't kill this guy. Um, and I think just because of the fact that she lit him on fire with the cocktail that she made. All of a sudden, this is still reality. I think this is still going on. The the house is starting to burn. You know, uh, the dad starts coming in, and this is mm-hmm. where Freddie ends up coming out of the door and going up to the mom's bedroom, Marge's room. And yeah, ends up like smothering on top of her. Like it's it just, it, I guess that's open for interpretation because of the fact that, like, okay, so if he was on fire and he like smothered her, 
her body would be there. The the, yeah. the the upstairs would be on fire. Like I don't. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to to peg for the different interpretation of what really happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I also love how how it could have different interpretations. Yeah, one yeah. person can see it one way, and another can see it another way. It's not just a definitive ending. And no, uh, that's and that's the greatest. And I always I always say this with like Kubrick's movies. Um, to revisit The Shining or revisit yeah. other films of his, like Eyes Wide Shut. There's always so many things that you notice later on that they like the whole ending of The Shining. Well, is it is it really him or was he like you know <laughs> is it really like is he really alive? Is it really like a ghost? Is he reincarnated in the hotel? Like you can you can ask yeah. so many questions, and you can keep finding different answers each time you watch it. I think that's the beauty of like classic films like that like mm -hmm. not even horror films but other films that classic genres anyway yeah um but coming to this one i think that you know the way that it ends i think that like kind of how we were just shooting off one another just saying i i think she does pull him in she does pull him out i think that's the reality part of it because we've already we've already established that you can pull from dream to reality so why introduce that if we're not going to go ahead and honor that in the back yeah. of the film you know what i mean yeah. Um, so we we've already seen that she can pull a hat. She could hurt herself, and and, and whatever happens can come back to reality. Yeah. So she pulled him out. Um, I just think that him being that super, you know, that supernatural being, mm -hmm. like I.E. Michael Myers, Freddy, uh, Jason Voorhees, you know, Freddy Krueger, yeah. that they they can just go ahead and live, and it, those rules don't typically apply to those slashers. Uh, yeah, like definitely. Shooting, shooting him or hurting him is going to kill him. And we know that that doesn't necessarily work. It never works. No. Um, so uh, I think that she does pull him in to reality. I think that he, she does, he does go up there and kills his mom. But that's where I get kind of like loose ended with that because it's like, well, then how the hell can they explain the the the, the bed and everything's so neat? Everything's so neat mm -hmm. after that. Um. And then we randomly cut to this this like dream sequence. I think uh, I don't know. Again, it's just one of those ones that's open for interpretation. I'm I'm kind of yeah yeah. Did you get because uh, I was like watching that and then watching this movie? Did you get like a carry vibe at the end of this movie? Yeah, they use the same pretty much the same trope. Almost what they do, kind of even at the end of uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, if, if you ever yeah. that. Um. Basically the same thing. Basically ending it to a way where we're like, okay, so we're we're gonna either first off we're gonna get a sequel. Um, yeah. And on top of that, it's like, well, does that display everything that just happened or what? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they kind of they kind of did that with uh, Friday Friday the Thirteenth as well. Yeah, the same thing with Friday the Thirteenth. That trope where yeah. Um, the only one. The only one I can say with a, like a, a for sure ending, Halloween didn't do that. Yeah. Because the, the only thing Halloween did was he was shot, went through the window, and then Loomis went back over. And, and, he and he's gone. gone. And then they cue up the Halloween music, which is beautiful. But um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know that. Um, that uh, Yeah, because the Friday the 13th ends. It really gets you questioning things. There's a lot of parallels between the ending of Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So that is the movie review. But I do have one more story to tell you guys. This one's just a personal story. Um, so when I was, I want to say like 15, I think, yeah, around 15, 
we went down to uh, Dallas Comic Con. I live, you know, five hours from Dallas, so and I was able to catch the 30th anniversary panel for um, for this movie right here, A Nightmare on Elm Street. <clears throat> they had, uh, of course, they had uh, Wes Craven, Robert England, uh, Heather Lankemp. Pretty much the entire cast, except for Johnny Depp. Yeah, well, because he was already he was, he was already huge by that time. Yeah, and I was actually able to ask Robert England and Wes Craven questions throughout the panel, which was wow. really fun—a really fun experience. Very awesome. <clears throat> yeah, and the fact that like Robert England is like so funny and so energetic off screen. That it's yeah. kind of real hard to hate him as Freddy Krueger. Well, the other thing I really just like about Robert England is the fact that he has consistently been the only Freddy Krueger. So when you think Freddy Krueger, that that is that is him. Mm-hmm. He is pretty much the uh, Iron Man, the Tony Stark of uh, of the the horror franchise yeah. in that film. Uh, he just he loves being Freddy Krueger, and I think he really embraces that because that is a role that really. Help put Robert England on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that he—he's not a, I'm not saying he's not a good actor. I don't think I don't think anybody would have noticed him. He wouldn't have gotten these roles like, like uh, smaller being a, roles, being a professor in Urban Legend, um, <coughs> being in uh, Wishmaster. I think he was in that one. Yeah, what, another another Wes Craven film. Yeah. Um, what else? Being in, uh, starring in pretty much like a horror uh, retelling of Phantom of the Opera. Um, really? Just, yeah, just different. Yeah, he's, it's called Phantom of the Opera. It's a horror. Uh, it's a horror um, film, Family Opera style. Yeah, but I mean, he's a great actor. But I really think that this this really cemented, uh, really cemented him in in horror, you know, lexicon. I mean, this guy yeah. is so well known and so iconic with the Freddy Krueger that you can't see another person ever playing him. Hence, why the two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, yeah, 2010 remake. Nightmare on Elm Street was a was a tr- was a was a was a shit show. Um, Even I though I do think Jackie Earl Haley was a really good Freddy Krueger. See or, a little fu- a fun fact about this for that movie. Yeah, see, I just don't think I think he was so dry. I think the only reason why they cast him was because of the success that he had as Rorschach and Watchmen. That I think they oh, really? put him in. They I think they put him in as. I, I think they put him in like that because, like, he was so menacing in, as Rorschach. And Rorschach, yeah. yeah. But me, like, they were originally going to cast Billy Bob Thornton as Freddy Krueger. Um, really? And I, honest to God, you, you, you know, you think about it, and you're like, there's no way. The, honestly, I think that would have been a perfect choice given just what, you know, he, like, Billy Bob Thornton can really transcend himself. Like, we see him as, like, the funny alcoholic and, and bad Santa. That's we can Santa. see he could see him turn up in Sling Blade, uh, you know, and just see the the different range he has as an actor. I think he really would have been really menacing if he could, um, if he was given that shot. To I really wish that um, I really wish that would have happened. Um, but that uh, would have been such a weird casting though, because he was coming right off of Bad Santa. Uh, Bad Santa had just come out in like '03. Um, so he was still doing a little bit of work after that, but yeah, like, um, you know, he was doing what he did the remake of, uh, bad news bears and he was doing other things. But to me, I, I just think that this guy, 
like when he gets crazy and he starts yelling and stuff like that. I think if he could have done it in a menacing way, he'd have been perfect for a Krueger. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, to me, I just really think that he would have been an interesting choice. Not, not taking anything away. Jack Earl Haley's a great actor. Yeah. Um, obviously Watchmen, he was really good in little children, got a uh, Oscar nomination for mm-hmm. it, I believe. Um, but we really can, you know, he, he's a good actor. Don't get me wrong. I just think he was, he was miscasted in that. I, I think this whole entire voice, the, the, the look of Freddy Krueger was just completely laughable. Yeah. Um, it, it's just not what you associate with an iconic character. They shouldn't mm-hmm. have touched it. I really wish they would have gotten uh, Robert England back to just redo it and just like kind of redo it and revamp it. Cause we were in that, we were in that, like, that two-year period between 07 and 09, we had Rob Zombie's Halloween. We had the re we had the re spinoff of Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. and then we had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So we had yeah. all three of the classics uh, rebooted and revamped. And uh, and two of them sucked. I actually really like the remake of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. See, I really didn't mind that. I I kind of like the backstory of Halloween. I kind of like seeing. Uh, uh, the backstory of we will Myers. get to that eventually. Don't worry. <laughs> I just like the backstory of it. I like I like li- literally knowing a little bit more about him. Um, I don't think we really needed it, but I can see what Zombie was going to do with it. I can kind of appreciate that. I think the second one really fell off. Um, oh my god! Again, but will, I mean, we will review bo- both of those in due time. Oh, I'm sure. Like uh, nothing's off the table. I think there's. You know, you just have so many iconic films. I think that, um, you know, when you yeah. do, when you remake a, a film, like I even carry. Um, yeah. You know, Carrie you, one, I didn't really mind either. I thought, I thought I like, uh, I Chloe like did yeah. really well as like in the role. Chloe Grace Russ is a really great actress. I really like, you know, I'm glad she's getting more work. I liked her in Greta. Um, it's just one of those things where I think, that you get like I thought the Evil Dead remake was better than the original. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, yeah, I thought the Evil directed. Dead just aged so badly. Like I think, yeah, they needed, they needed a facelift. I think the the new one I thought was really good. So, yeah, I'm, it's hit or miss, man. Like I said, so many different horror movies on the table, man. There's so many movies to talk about, but uh, glad we're getting some of these classics out of the way, though. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So before we get into plugs, Russ. Why don't you announce what our next movie is going to be for next week? Our next, uh, our next one is you're going to keep the theme of classic. So I guess we're going to go to the 1978 uh, Halloween, right? Yep, that that's is one, correct. That's the one you wanted to do. So then I think every week after that is where we're going to surprise one another on air and pretty much just yep. pick out whatever one that we want. <laughs> this will pretty much close out the, the 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 holy trio of of movies. You you know you have obviously yep. Friday the Thirteenth. We've done Nightmare on Elm Street. I wish we could have done it in chronological order, but we didn't. But who cares? Uh, <laughs> we make we make mention of all these films in each episode, so it doesn't really matter. They're all tied yeah. together uh, in the slasher yeah. genre. So the 1978 Halloween, John Carpenter's classic is what we'll be talking about. Um, one of my all-time favorites. So uh, be, be prepared to get uh, thrown out with a lot of information. So, that one's going to be a long video, but I'm super excited for it because I love this movie so yeah. much. I do too. So it's, it's, it's always a, it's an every Halloween watch uh, for me. I got to watch it every fall. Same with me. Yeah. It's just one of those films that does not um, age as well. Doesn't uh, diminish in, in, in watchability. So 
yeah, anytime I can talk about it, like I said, you know, Chance and I talked about this for one of my, you know, our favorite Halloween films, and that was mm-hmm. mine. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to re- yeah, revisiting this again, as always. Yep. And then we may have two guests. If not, I know for sure we're going to have one guest on. Luca Hope Madden is going to be joining us for that one. Okay. And then hopefully we can get this other person in if we can. That would be amazing. But, all right, guys, let's get into plugs. Russ, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, uh, YouTube. My channel has been dormant for like eight months. I One day we'll, uh, we'll come back to House Hollywood review, Reviews on YouTube. Just really having just been really digging the podcast scene, man. I don't uh, I think it's faster. I think it's more efficient. Yeah. Uh, less editing. You can just go out and put your stuff out and it's out there as opposed to editing it, putting pictures yep. in. And for reviews, I think it's just it's so much faster and more efficient. Um, also do a podcast with my good friend, Chance Ellison. We have a ch- it's called Notorious by Chance. We've been dormant on that for almost a month because just with, you know, him with the schmodown, yep. uh, me with vacation, just our schedules just haven't been you know, uh, working really well. Uh, I think where he's at now, he doesn't have the internet. So that's really hurting our, um, putting mm-hmm. out, uh, films, but we are uh, talking about the wicker man. I think we're going to do that sometime this week. Hopefully <laughs> the, uh, the Nicholas cage, uh, train wreck. not the bees. No, not the bees. So, uh, it's the train wreck, uh, the, the remake with Nicholas cage. So that'll be yeah. enjoyable. Get on the Facebook group there. Uh, Join the group. Vote on the polls that you want us to uh, review. We we pretty much uh, anything's nothing's off limits. We pretty much put anything on there. Uh, I think we're going to do a couple other episodes that we have. I believe we're going to be doing the 20th anniversary. So the 20th anniversary movies, the movies that came out in 1999, we're going to be putting those up. Um, we have five movies I think we've narrowed it down to, but 1999 was such a great year for films. So really, right. looking, really looking forward to seeing what we what we put to the top five. And then I think at the back end of the month, I think we're going to celebrate the uh, moon landing, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing um, with a double feature. I think we're going to do Apollo 11 uh, documentary that just came out uh, and um, Damien Chazelle's uh, first man. I think we're going to review both of those together and kind of do a double double feature for the uh, the iconic 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So I think we're going to do that. Um, Yeah. And like I said, get on that Facebook group, Uh, get on the Facebook group for our uh, horror horoscope podcast you know yep. uh share it with people the people that love horror films if, if you have anybody that wants to get on the show or you have uh, questions or any comments or like about the films that we do or anything like that throw it throw it hunter or, you know eyes way mm-hmm. and um yeah just really really enjoying the podcast for both you know both uh both scenes like me and chance having ours and then us having our own little entire horror genre to talk yep. about so um definitely uh definitely really interesting um and we'll just start putting out more content more consistently here uh yeah yep trust me i know summer season can kick our ass when it comes to scheduling (laughs) oh like i said it's like i'm stressing out about like we haven't put an episode out for like chance and i for like a month and i'm like uh people are gonna lose interest in our stuff (laughs) all right and also guys you can check out my youtube channels film nerd tv and the combat wrestling network you can also Check out uh, Combat Wrestling Trivia. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Of, of, of course, uh, subscribe to where podcasts are sold. Give us a high rating. We put a lot of effort, time, just reviewing, researching all these movies for you guys. And we would appreciate your feedback. All right, guys, thank you for wa- or for listening. I'll see you guys soon. Peace.